We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, brought to you by Oakley. Oakley has established themselves as the sunglasses company made for activities, but they also have eyewear made for everyday use as well. When you wear Oakley, there is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Go try a pair for yourself by going to oakley.com to check out all of their amazing products. If you hear birds chirp, chirp, chirping in the background, that's because Scott is recording from his brand new deck in parts unknown in Virginia with his brand new pair of giant ass Oakleys on. Hi, Scott. What's up? Yeah, prism lenses, baby. These things are, are fantastic. You can see everything crystal, crystal clear with a nice little enhancement of the color too, which I appreciate. Yeah, some birds going on. I got the different mic though today, so hopefully you won't hear it as much. Uh, not picking up as many things, but um, yeah, inside the house is a complete shit show because uh, we just moved yesterday. So who there's boxes everywhere and every every room sounds like an echo chamber at this point. So it's birds or hearing me twice. No, it, it sounds great. And I think the birds add a nice ambiance. Those glasses are so crazy through the through the computer, camera, whatever, internet. I can see the reflection in your glasses of your setup and of your yard. That's how crazy those glasses are. Yeah, they're, uh, they're good and big. I love how big they are. It's like I got zero view no matter where I go without the, uh, without the prism lens. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like you're a celebrity trying to hide his face, except, except you know, you're not a celebrity. Not to, a celebrity. To our audience, maybe you're a celebrity. We've got some news to talk about. Normally, we start with, uh, with you know, the games and that sort of thing. But but we got some news. 
So since we last recorded, Bader officially went on the injured list, which we assumed was going to happen. Franchi Cordero was called up. Jose Trevino returned from the IL. Ben Rortvet, after his brief sit with the Yankees, was sent down. Rizzo is still out uh, last night. So we're recording this Thursday afternoon. Last night after the game, the last game in Seattle, Boone had said, uh, so I guess before the game, Boone had said, Rizzo's available off the bench. And then he was asked the question, how come we didn't see Rizzo in a nothing-nothing game? And he said, well, it was going to be emergencies only. But he does expect him to play in Los Angeles. So I guess we'll see with Rizzo. I mean, yeah, just giving him that extra day. Emergencies meaning like you have nobody else and you have to play. Uh, so Injuries. More injuries. You'd think 0-0. Zero, zero. I mean, 0-0 zero, zero is not an emergency, I guess. So um, yeah, I, I hope he's out there because we need him to be, to be healthy. And it, it complements all the other guys coming back nicely. And the big thing is, yes, Stanton, Donaldson, Canely all being activated officially for the Dodgers series. Oswaldo Cabrera, Franchi, and then Crook sent down. So Franchi came up and got the flight out to Seattle, getting the boot back to Scranton. So, okay. We did pull some numbers on Oswaldo. And I knew just like he had been bad, but I didn't realize he had been been this bad. He ranks 185 out of, out of 188 players in OPS. Yeah. And 186 out of 188 in WRC+. plus. He's basically been the worst off- worst offensive player that qualifies in Major League Baseball. Yeah, he's he's taken Aaron Hicks's role nicely apparently on the on the offensive side. But no, it's uh I wasn't expecting the numbers to be as egregious as they were. I know he's been struggling. Um yeah. but but yeah, they're bad, man. That's a that's I mean that's right there is a, is a perfect hey, go get your go get your mind right, get your mechanics right. Somewhere else can't have that up in the bigs, especially with these, uh, with all the guys coming back. Um, before we go on further, though, the, we have another piece of this episode, right? So, want to tell the people what's coming up uh, as far as that's right. <clears throat> yeah, so obviously, big weekend series against the Dodgers. Anytime the Yankees and Dodgers play, it's gonna it's gonna be exciting. So, we talked to the Dodger Heads podcast of DodgerBlue.com. Talked to Jeff Spiegel for about thirty minutes on that. We we talked about the Dodgers season. It was kind. Of, it, he wasn't a guest on our show and I wasn't a guest on his show. It was just sort of like we were both guests on each other's show. So we it, it was kind of like I've never we done can't a make podcast a decision. like that before. We can't make a decision. So here it is. Because he, he reached out and he was like, hey, can you can you come on the show? And I was like, yeah, but I kind of want to use that because that'll be good for our show too. So how do we do this? And it was kind of just like I've never done a podcast where there wasn't necessarily an A mic and a B mic. Yeah. And it actually it worked out. It was kind of where you could just kind of pressed record and started talking about the Yankees and the Dodgers and it worked out. Those are called conversations. Yeah, Just have a conversation. Even, even when I try and have conversations, like whenever we have someone on the show and I'm interviewing them, quote unquote, I try and have a conversation with them because I think there's nothing worse than just a question, answer, question, answer. Oh, for sure. Interview. But, but it's still led by one person, right? Like you're still leading right. the conversation. Whereas if you're mine. going into something, then, then you're, uh, you know, it just open ended. And when, when things come up, just speak your mind. Right. right. That's good. Yeah. That's That'll good. Be good. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. That'll be the back half of uh, of this episode. We did also, pro- well, you mentioned Aaron Hicks. You know, Baltimore. <laughs> Getting the full Aaron Hicks experience. S- starts, gets two for two, and then leaves the game with muscle tightness. <laughs> it's like, all he needs to do is boot a ball and then like do something egregious on Cal Ripken Jr. night, and that is the full Aaron Hicks experience. You need some outs in there too, but they haven't seen that. The Well, yeah, complain about playing time. Um, yeah. Yep, got to do that. 
And nice that field, left field's a little stretch. deeper for him too now, you know. So that's oh, that's yeah, something. Like that. A lot of lot of room to cover out there. It's a it's kind of a it's a, it's a it's a very different type of left field than than old Camden Yards, which he is used to playing in. So hey, good for him, man. I'm glad he got a contract. I was surprised that he got a major league deal, especially from uh, you know, the Orioles. But they also had an injury. Didn't they just have an injury? Someone went down and I think they're trying to fill it. Well, guess what? Guess what? Now you have another injury. <laughs> uh, not to go back to last episode, but what happens when you fill an injury with an injury-prone guy? Oh, they get injured. Shocking how that happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. No, we're not hinging that no. guy, that conversation on Aaron Hicks. Okay, no, no I won that. I won that argument. I think no. the, I think the no. proof is in the clip that Logan. <laughs> the proof. Together. The the proof is in that Aaron Hicks just went down. No, <laughs> the proof is that Aaron Hicks. Uh, see, it's, see, it's, uh, time is see? a flat circle. He is hurt again. All right, we promised eye test versus nerd test, and we're going to do it about Garrett Cole. Eye test versus nerd test is brought to you by Oakley. There's more than meets the eye with Oakley sunglasses thanks to their amazing prism technology. We're going to try and find out if there's more than meets the eye with what the hell is going on with Garrett Cole. Pulled a lot of numbers here we're going to go through. We can kind of go through them step by step, but there is a pretty clear dividing line in Garrett Cole's season. First seven starts, last five starts. First seven starts, he was absolutely filthy. 46 and two-thirds innings to a 135 ERA, a 209 FIP, zero home runs allowed. Since then, last five starts, 27 innings, 567 ERA, 647 FIP, eight dingers allowed. And the trends that we have gone through, honestly, are pretty alarming. So his strikeout percentage is down 35%. His walk percentage is up 19%. And now the walk percentage is one I was actually a little surprised about. I thought it was going to be 19 It was more. less than that. 19%? It's 7.9% to 9.7%. That is a 19% increase. But but effectively, he's walking, you know, maybe half a batter more per start. I guess, yeah. you know, I guess that's significant, but I, I thought it was going to be a lot more. Just I felt like there's been so many base runners with him recently. And obviously the hard hits. And that's where the numbers are really, really bad. So another thing going into the walk percentage and then just getting himself in bad counts, first strict, first pitch strike percentage was 72% in the first sevens, down to 63%. His swinging strike percentage is down just slightly about a percentage point. Barrels, way up. From five barrels allowed in seven games to 13 barrels allowed in five games. And then his hard hit percentage is up 10% as well. Which so all those numbers are very correlated, obviously. The, you hit a barrel, you're going to hit it hard. All those numbers are obviously bad. And then we were kind of trying to isolate, like, what is this? Is this his fastball? Is this his slider, his sweeper, his curveball? Like, what is this? Um, and his his fastball usage has gone down just a bit. 56.9% down to 52%. And then he's throwing way more sliders, 18% to 26%. And he's throwing fewer curveballs, 15% to 13%. So basically, any any fastball and curveball he was throwing, he's now throwing as a slider. And we were kind of having a conversation like, why might that be? And we were kind of talking about how, well, his fastball is just getting pummeled. His expected weighted on base average on his fastball is up to 401 in May from 266. And his barrel percentage is up to 17%. Velocity spin rates are, are consistent. He's missing his location with his fastball. He's not throwing it where he wants to throw it and is getting absolutely crushed. So he's trying to go to more off-speed pitches to get some strikes. 
All of this starts early in the count too. I think you, you can step you can step into why we believe these things are happening. It all starts with first uh, first pitch strike percentage. You know, I've, I feel like a broken record when I talk about Garrett Cole sometimes about this. Um, and any power pitcher, the, the majority of power pitchers, I'm not going to put every single one of them in the same category, but with broad strokes, but it's pretty damn it's pretty damn clear what the game plan is. A lot of these guys is you pound the strike zone early, you get ahead. And then everything else becomes that much more effective. And for Garrett Cole, if he's if he's behind in the count and going back to the fastball, the fastball becomes hittable at that point because you can sit on it. You can sit on a location. You can sit on a particular pitch knowing that the other uh, pitches aren't his plus pitch. He's His plus pitch is his fastball. But if you know a fastball is coming and you know it's going to be over the, the, the plate or not, you're looking at one location. You're looking at a fastball over the plate. That's what you're looking at. If it's not there, you don't swing. If it is there, you know it's coming. You're expecting it. You're ready for it. You're going to square it up a lot more frequently. Like To me, when I'm looking at that, it goes back to him being aggressive early in the count, controlling the, the at-bat with a first-pitch strike. And a lot of that is, is first-pitch fastball being able to dot corners and that's it. Like I think it's probably mechanical in some way where he's not able to finish that fastball and locate it where he wants. Mechanical, sticky stuff, whatever you want to say about it, he's not able to execute the fastball early in the count. And all of the things get disrupted because of it. He's trying to get swings and misses because when you're a major league baseball player and you're sitting fastball knowing that you're, you're in control of the count because you're ahead of the count, he's going to have to fool them in some way. And that's where the, I think the slider is being increased uh, so much, so much more, and it's just not as effective as a pitch, and and guys are able to lay off of it. So, I, I well, think, it, and also it's simple to say, I probably harder to execute because I'm sure he's very frustrated, and he knows what the game plan should be is to attack early, and it's just it's not working for him. So Logan had also brought up like, how come he's not throwing his curveball more? Because his curveball is like a really good pitch, and it's been a really effective pitch for him. And I, I don't know what number we would look to. Get, you know, to figure this out. But an eye test thing on his curveball is that it's not a strike pitch. It's a strikeout pitch. So he doesn't throw his curveball for strikes. So if he's trying to throw a off-speed pitch for a strike, he's going to throw the slider or the sweeper versus the curveball. The curveball is what he goes through to change the hitter's eye level. He goes high fastballs to curveballs in the dirt, and he gets a lot of strikeouts that way. If he's relying on his curveball to get over the plate, it's either going to be in the dirt or it's going to be a spinner in the middle of the plate. It's not That's not the type of curveball he has where... You know, I'm trying to think of someone like, you know, a Mike Messina. Mike Messina could pitch backwards because he could throw his curveball on 0-0 or, or 1-0 and throw it on the corner for a strike. That's not the type of curveball Garrett Cole has. I mean, even looking on, on the roster, not, not comparing uh, level of player, but Clark Schmidt's a guy that has a plus curveball. He can throw that thing for a strike at any point. Uh, the, the words coming out of my mouth, Sonny Gray, same thing, where he has that curveball is a plus pitch and he's able to locate it and able to to use it as a as a strike strikeout pitch but also um uh, a pitch that that can get over the plate and still not be completely completely hittable it's not it's not a spin it's a true 12 to 6 and you're right that he doesn't have that necessarily so unless he's ahead in the count and he's able to be in a position to put somebody away that curveball usage is going to go way down because of that because of that reason it looks different it spins different it's i think it's much easier to to um to call out, and if he's if he's leaving that over the plate, it's an easier adjustment for the batter. If they are sitting fastball, they can still adjust to that curveball if it's if it's over the heart of the plate. It, it really like he's him him not locating his fastball makes it so much worse 
for him than I think even a lot of other pitchers because of this, the way that he uses his pitches. And there's not like a missed location stat. I'm actually kind of surprised by that. Like, I, I guess you would have to figure out if uh, StatCast seems to me to would be the place to have that where it's like, where's the catcher set up? And then how much does he miss by? I feel like that would be an interesting stat to look at. But I would like, love to see that. That's what I was looking for early in the season with Schmidt because he was, Higgy and, and uh, Trevino were constantly moving their glove, just whether it was a strike or not, constantly moving the glove. It's like he couldn't, he couldn't hit the, hit the mitt worth, worth a damn. So yeah, that, that's valuable. If anybody knows about this stat that we're, we're not able to find, please, uh, please educate us. Uh, but it. so like we were trying to look at some other things that might be indicators to prove to us because basically what we're trying to do is like we, we're watching the games and we're, we're seeing him mislocation it's like how do we prove that this is actually happening with some numbers here and you know some other things is his fastball pitch value which is fangrass pitch value runs above average in the first uh, seven starts 12.6 negative 3.2 percent in his uh explain that one again starts. what's the where do they get that Runs above average on a pitch. Oh, on so the like pitch. Okay. How, how, yeah. On the pitch. So, like, do you get better out or does he get on base? And so, like, the better uh, your runs above average, the more you get people out with that pitch. It was 12.6 in the first seven starts. Amazing. Negative. So, so, something, so something like that to drill if the nerds, if the nerds are listening and can help us out and drill into that even further, I would love to know what that percentage is as the count moves on. So if it's a 2-0 count, is that is that fastball? getting demolished at that point. If, if it's a 0-0 count, I, <laughs> well, I would well, that, venture you know, a guess but, that the, the percentage would be a, a lot lower and it would be less effective if it's, if it's there. I don't know if they have it by pitch, but they have what he allows on certain counts. Like even Baseball Reference has that. They can know what his pitching line is on 0 counts, on 0-1 counts, on 1-0 counts, etc. But does, it doesn't pitchers, break it down per pitch, though. I don't know if it breaks it down per pitch. I mean, maybe some other website does, but... Every pitcher is going to have a worse line on a two oh, for pitch sure. than an O two pitch. Like, like obvious. That's just obvious. But you can, but you can gain, you can gain, in, you can gain some insight from that because one, you can, you can identify the percentage uh, that he's throwing that fastball. You know, when he's down in account, and then when he's down in account, if that fastball is getting over the plate, uh, how you know how many runs are yield on on said pitch at a particular time. Like to me, that stuff matters. You could, you could kind of see based on the count like so for instance just like as an example like his in zone percentage like the pitch is it a strike is it not a strike so on three two his fastball in april was 76.2 percent of the time in the zone all right great in may it's down to 56.5 percent so yeah. right there on a three two count that's a that's an example of that he's you not know, able to, to any he, count he, so he's uh, he's either not able to to locate the fastball over the plate, or he's worried that that thing's going to get hit because it has been getting hit, and he's trying to be cute and dot dot a corner, uh, and then you know missing because of that. Right, and even like his slider, like his, on three two counts, is actually being in the zone more now. So it was fifty percent in April. Now it's sixty percent of the time. It's well, at some point, one and of the pitchers slider, has to be in the zone on right. a three-two point on a three-two but, count. But also, a slider is not a pitch you want to throw in the zone. Like a slider is a you pitch want it you to throw just off the zone. You want it to be close. You want it to look like a strike, but you you don't want it to end up in the zone. Unless it's so, uh, it depends what it is because it could trail if it's starting you know far enough inside or far enough outside and coming in on a batter. Then different. For story, the most but, part, yes. though, you're not throwing backdoor sliders Correct. on. Uh, it's know, a very pitch. it's a much higher. Uh, it's a harder pitch to execute at a, at a, on yeah. a consistent level. Yeah, like you could even break it down on here based on like when the batter is behind in the count or when the batter is ahead in the count. 
So for instance, like when the battery is ahead in the account, he was it basically is is actually no change other than the fact that he's throwing his slider more in the zone. In um in April it was forty six point four percent. Now it's seventy one percent. Does it give you any percentages about how often he's behind in the count to batters? Does it give you the percentage of you know, these well, are we the can kind of look at that. I think we can just look at that in the walk percentage. Like that's a, right. it's not an exact. Uh, yeah, but if no, not necessarily it, walk. That's, well, that's also if he's first losing pitch, a guy. I mean, first first pitch strike percentage was seventy two point three percent. Now it's sixty three point seven percent. So immediately there, he's fallen behind in the count one out sure. a lot more often. Yep. Yeah, it's I go, uh, I've said this for a long time about Garrett Cole. He's got to be ahead in the count. He's he's. He's a dominant, dominant pitcher. If he's got, if he, if he dodged that fastball in the beginning, and he's a, he's got an O one count, dominant. Yeah, and because so, then they have uh, to respect everything else. They have to respect everything else. If you fall behind in the count, then your other your secondary pitches become less effective, and your fastball becomes much less effective because everybody can hit a fastball when they're expecting it, especially if they're down in a count. I mean, we've seen him go through bad stretches like this before. I mean, last year he went through some bad stretch, but but these five games, even though he won the last time out against San Diego, we talked about that was not a good start. Like this has been a really bad stretch of five games for him. Yeah, he needs to clean it up, man. And so, do you think? I don't know how much you can attribute to. The, here's the problem: we don't know why, right? We don't know why. Only Garrett. No, Cole we, knows th- why. we we think we just figured out why. We just figured out. I mean, you mean why he's missing location? Why he's not able to? Why he's missing? Yeah, 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 exactly. Why why the numbers are the way that they are? Why it's actually why he's not able to execute the fastball early in the count as it was? Is there? Did, it was Some there a shift in game plan? I mean, yeah, there's theories out there, no doubt, uh, but. Does that mean that he was using some kind of uh, a, 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 an enhancing an enhancing substance for the first seven game uh, starts or first five starts? I mean, that's that would be a that would be pretty crazy. It's not like things have changed all that much. The pitchers are still well, checking I hands. Mean, They're still what doing things. What happened? Didn't uh, Domingo Herman get looked at more closely? And and the you know there was a bigger spotlight on the Yankees for for what was going on there. They were still looking. They were still checking. Yeah, and his spin rate is unchanged, which it, it's, I, I know it, it so, would change. You know what kind change. of annoys me? It's like the, everyone points to the spin rate. Oh, the spin rate's the same, so there's no way he could have been using sticky stuff. And I know spin rate is one of the biggest things you gain from using sticky stuff, as a-hole Trevor Bauer discussed publicly, right? But there's other benefits from the sticky stuff beyond spin rate. It's kind of like the steroid thing. It's like, it's not just that you could hit the ball farther. It's that you could recover quicker from injuries and you would not be tired in the dog days of August. Like there's other benefits to, to sticky stuff. Location is one of those benefits. You also have the confidence knowing that you can dot something with the, with, with the stuff. Like psychologically, there that no nerd will ever, ever get to. Psychologically, you have the confidence that you're going to be able to throw the pitch in the in the location that you want. And not only that, it may change what the catcher is even calling because of the confidence level. This goes back to the days of of uh, when Gary Sanchez was behind the plate, knowing that there's a runner on third base. Again, I keep Sonny Gray will never leave my mind, apparently. But you know, you're not able to, and this goes with relievers. You're just, so you, you're just checking all the boxes, Sonny Gray, Gary yes, Sanchez. Like, who else do you want to talk about? They're, uh, but you're not able to, you're not able to to execute a breaking ball in the dirt, knowing that that's an out pitch because there's a runner on third because right. the guy behind the plate can't block it. So psychologically, there's a lot of things, and and if you know that, and you're still trying to throw it, you may spin it over the plate because you're worried about the guy not blocking it. So there's just so many other factors that are, are things that that are 
you know, the that come off of of using something that helps you throw a ball to the place. Listen, I, I'm not saying Garrett Cole was uh, using sticky stuff in his first seven starts, and now he's not. I think it's just he's in a pitching slump, right? And like good pitchers, great pitchers go through pitching slumps. But with this guy especially, it's like why did like some of these slumps extend for a long time, and then. And then I can't, I can't get that that blank stare walking off the mound against San Diego out of my mind. I'm just like that is a guy that doesn't have a damn clue why he is struggling. Yeah, and a lot of times, if that's the case, you know, mechanics are are the reason, and he's not able to 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 locate or to to clean up the mechanics in a way. And you can definitely get into a slump in the way that your body, and that's why slumps happen really, is because you go off of the muscle memory, you go off of repeating the same delivery over and over and over again. Same thing with your swing. You, baseball is a game of repetition. He who can rep, replicate the good mechanics more than the other ones will most likely have success. And it's it's also one of the, uh, one of the, it's gotta be for, for these guys too, the most frustrating thing, knowing that you've been doing it for so long, that little, Little micro microscope microscopic um, you know percentage points of how off you are of your mechanics can make such a big um, change in the stats and the execution of your pitch. Or it's All right, well, stuff. Th- thank you so much to Oakley for sponsoring Eye Test versus Nerd Test. Go to Oakley.com for more info and to find a pair of Oakley sunglasses for your needs: golf, baseball, the beach, running, recording a podcast out on your deck, or whatever it might be. Let's talk about uh, someone else near and dear to your heart, your heart, Scott. That's IKF, who's uh, been on a little bit of a streak, right? A um, little bit of a streak. He's a perhaps player. the the best uh, offensive stretch he's had with the Yankees. That's not saying a ton, but over his last twelve games, forty plate appearances, he is hitting three forty two with a one point oh five nine OPS. He's got uh, three homers and two doubles and a triple. You know, the extra base hits have been what have been surprising from IKF. Um, and I c- tried to find his best stretch with the Yankees last season, and it was from April 14th to May 3rd, which was 63 plate appearances. He hit 386. But the main difference was, even though he had an 886 OPS in that stretch, he didn't have the power. He did hit the five doubles, not there. but yeah. no homers, no triples. So was a lot of singles, which is totally fine. Like we even at the time were like, this is exactly what the Yankees needed. A contact hitter hitting ninth. Uh, didn't work out that way for IKF. But you know, it, it, you know, it's fun that IKF, it's great that IKF is hitting. And then he he also drove a ball in that nothing nothing game on Wednesday that um, you know, maybe had a shot um to get out. But <clears throat> I'm wondering, are the Yankees gonna be tempted to to play him a bit more at shortstop? Because Volpe has, you know, he's had a couple big hits. Like he's had some home runs, but like overall, he's had more than a couple big hits. He's had some. He's had some. He's definitely had some moments late in the games, and he's, he's had moments. The, pro- the production is there, and that's why you can be okay with it. I think he's had moments, but overall, he's got a seventy-three OPS plus in two hundred and twenty-four plate appearances. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not what you want. Uh, it's not what you want. Defense is there. I don't think he's going to be taking as much because I do believe they are fully committed to the development of this kid, which is what we were saying in the beginning of the season. Yankees have to be fully committed to the development of this kid, even through struggles. And the struggles aren't as egregious because of the production, because of the, uh, you know, I don't, he's, I test is telling me he's not walking as much. So you're not seeing as much um, activity on the base path, but still you're getting more from him than just a, uh, just a batting average. You're getting you're getting good defense for the most part. You're getting good base running. 
Um, and now that he's not at the leadoff spot, you can definitely, you know, uh, you can you can you can tolerate it more with him at the bottom of the lineup too. And with the guys coming back, so Donaldson is going to slot into third base. Uh, ICAF is going to have to play the outfield because because uh, of the injuries that they've got in the outfield. Stanton, I don't expect to do anything except DH for 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 the near term at least. So you're you're going to still see both of them in the lineup. I guess that was more of a question. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they put Stanton still in right field uh, and. And at Yankee Stadium for a couple. Well, just of years, they maybe. just. I mean, what they've what they've seemed to be I doing would, this I year would. is they've they've committed to that a little bit more. Um, so him coming back, I would believe that it's it's him coming back. You know, field and at the plate. If he's if he's ready to come back, he should be able to be fully fully back no matter what. Otherwise, I don't want him coming back yet if he's not ready to go out there and play the field. Like, you can't just be scared of an injury potential because he's playing the field at this point. I agree. So, I agree. Um, I well, then you're not going to like this. Boone did say he's going to ease in at DH for the next few weeks before he plays the outfield again. Yeah, um, I'm not going like to like it, Logan. I'm not going <laughs> to like it. Also, just also Boone lies. Quick. Boone lies. Boone, did, yeah. Didn't Stanton pull the hamstring DHing? Like, like it wasn't it running? It was running the bases. Wasn't I've it? heard him talking about that about how he when he gets hit he's DHing, not playing the outfield. Yeah, because um, you're sitting on the bench for ninety five percent of the game with yeah. Zero body fat. Uh, the reason that the whole Volpe thing, what you were saying, Scott, feels like he's been good in late and close situations. Um, and he's had 34 plate appearances. He's hitting 303 with an 870 OPS. Is because he yeah. is good. It's late really close, good. Yeah. Really, really good. He's about his only split that's like really good. You know. All right. So uh, let's uh, voodoo him into thinking it's always a high leverage situation. Like, he'll get uh, to that point. He'll, 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 the maturation will develop and he'll get Listen, to that. That I would level prefer of, of Derek Jeterness, where you don't have to like care about whatever moment it is. It's the same thing every time. Let's call this the reverse A Rod. I would prefer I would prefer A Rod level, but it's the reverse A Rod. Good and high leverage, bad when the game doesn't matter. I prefer that over good when the game doesn't matter. Dog yeah. shit when the game is is right. in the balance. Good in the regular season, really bad in the postseason. Flip it, and you'll be a hero. A hero. <laughs> it's uh, fine. Just get there and. And I like him. Okay, I like him. So that helps. The uh, so the the last couple games that we have to touch on from Seattle, they they scored ten runs again, and then they followed up with a, a zero runs. So it was fun while it lasted. The offense, the classic, save those for the next day. But they scored those ten runs, especially on on um, that was Tuesday night where the five through nine in the order was just like, oh my god, how are these guys scoring all these runs? Yeah, but Willie Calhoun, man, the engine that could. I, I'm starting to really love Willie Calhoun. Willie Calhoun, yeah, baby meatball. He's like uh, baby Pudge. He's um, he's fun, man, and he he hits the ball hard. He, and just the way that he doesn't look like he's as fast as he is, but that he is, just get it gets going. It's like a very very difficult train to stop. Uh, but no, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm enjoying it. And Jake Bowers is even getting some better at bats and a little bit more production. You know, yes. he was so hot coming up from Triple A uh, that you know maybe there was just a cool off period for him as well. Whether no matter where you are, you can't stay hot that hot, you know, for for uh, forever. So maybe he's starting to come into his own a little bit too. And once again, Nestor Cortez started to struggle as he entered the fifth inning, 101 pitches. So it, it's crazy. And I was. His splits, I think I mentioned this on the pod with Neil, but his splits third time through the order are over a thousand OPS, uh, over a 1500 OPS allowed 
to the batter when he faces it for the third time through. Compare that with his first two times of 506 and 640. Very good. This was not a problem he had last year. I, I, I was looking this up. So OPS times through the order last year, 496, then 621, then 531. So actually got better a third time through the order in 2022. Yeah, I, it's hard to explain why this is the way it is. Uh, I know he's mentioned that he doesn't feel uh, as as confident or as good, you know, as he's getting into those middle middle innings. So uh, it, it's it's hard to I, I identify if he's going to get legs underneath him as the season goes on and just kind of wears into it, or this is something this where is this, the the league has has caught up and and there's uh, you know more trouble on the horizon. Boone keeps saying not keep saying i've heard him say it a few times though that he didn't get a full spring training which he didn't if you remember but it's aren't we like past that now yeah, yeah. I mean, that how was many, my how many, that was my excuse like, i mean how many innings has he pitched that was the he first thing i said when we 59 talked about innings. this when we talked about this like uh, before his you know good decent little stretch here that was that was a, a thing you can say i think at this point nah no He's he's throwing a lot of pitches though, right? Like when you look, yes, he's see, got a hundred pitches every time to the. No, fifth see, what, what's weird though is like they're not they're not like he threw a hundred and one pitches in the last yeah. start. The only time he got to a hundred before that was on April thirtieth, and he had a really bad start. He gave up seven in runs, but he's not getting to that spot because 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 but, by the time he's at that many pitches, exactly. I understand why. I'm just saying, like, if why is I don't know what I'm saying, but you get what I'm saying. Like it's June, it's June first. He's thrown almost sixty. I don't know what I'm saying. It's June first. He's thrown almost sixty innings this season. You can't now continue to blame spring training. No, we're past that. We're past that. We're past that. It, and again, like he did go down with an injury. So if we're looking at why, and you're pointing to something that happened before the season starts, I'm, at this point, I'm not, I think he's had plenty of work, but there could be something. And I know he said he's healthy, doesn't feel anything different, but there's something different. There's something different. And if it's, if it's the book and the, and the, and the, the league is caught up to him, um, that's not great. It's, it's, again, we talked about this before, but it's, it's his, it's his now turn to make the adjustment again on the adjustment. And then in that game, also the classic Michael King needed some work, so he pitched in a seven-to-two game. He pitched two innings. It, I don't think it mattered in Wednesday's game. Obviously, they didn't score any runs, and then Thursday's an off day. But it's just like, great, he needed to work. Didn't matter what the score was. We're using him today, even though he's potentially your best relief pitcher. I don't hate that. I, I especially in a zero-zero game, it's fine. You know, you you want to? No, no, it wasn't a zero-zero game. What you it was a seven-to-two game. Oh, that, that game. King yeah, my bad. I was Tuesday. I, I so yes okay you're right I was thinking it was the the, brain the fart. reason I was they thinking did it was the last game the reason they did it is because they knew Thursday was an off day and um, if he didn't get in on on if Wednesday, he didn't get in on Wednesday for whatever reason then that was going to be way too long so they wanted to get the opportunity to get him in and they got him in in a seven to two game okay so my 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 thinking was correct in the sense that like I I was thinking that it was Wednesday because that would actually make sense knowing that there's an off day. And if you're going to do that and that's your mindset, how about you just get him into that Wednesday game like you're just getting him into the Tuesday game? Exactly. If it's 7-2 to two on Wednesday, fine. The next day is off. Yeah. But then, oh, maybe it's a nothing-nothing right. game and you want to throw Michael King. Yeah, yeah. That makes too much sense. It's one of those those little boon pet peeves that um, is never going to change. Maybe he forgot what day it was and how many, how many uh, games were in the series. It's, 
That's just blinded by the Yankees offense. He was blinded by the Yankees offense. Oh my God, runs. What do I do? How do I manage? Yeah. Right. Blah. Baseball. Because he just says one night, word, one word responses. Of course, Clark Schmidt was really good, but uh, Kirby, I almost said Nick Kirby of George's box. George Kirby. That's why. George Kirby. I've almost called him Kirby, Kirby, Kirby Yates like 15 it's, times. It's Kirby yeah. Yates. There's just too many Kirbys. Uh, was was unhittable. <laughs> I was watching the condensed game. He made that that swing that Judge took. I think it was a 3-2 pitch on basically a fastball belt high. Clearly sitting off speed in that situation because he was way late on that fastball. Yeah, he looked good, man. He's um, he's he's an interesting pitcher because you look at him and you're like, ah, this guy looks very hittable. Just just completely judging a book by its cover. This guy looks hittable, and then he goes out there and executes the way he does. Uh, I was. Oh, you're I saying he surprised. looks like the way he like his face. And yeah, yeah, body, just the way like, he throws, yeah. the way he looks, the way his face is looking at me, like. You're hittable. You're definitely hittable. And then, no, and then he's not. Maybe that's just the, the element of surprise. Um, but no, it was, uh, he was really good. And Clark Schmidt, man, best, best start of the year, right? Even going up against lefty lefties was, uh, you know, <laughs> control. Again, going back to this control thing, he walked, what, one, one guy, mm-hmm. uh, right? And struck out seven. So this is a guy that's, that's working ahead, who's had, a, had issues closing the door on at-bats but when you're working ahead, when you're around the strike zone consistently and you and, and guys have to take everything uh, seriously that you're throwing, then, you know, his 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 arsenal of pitches is very good if he's able to use them in the appropriate, you know, positions. And when you're working ahead and not walking guys and throwing strikes, now you're a lot more dangerous, especially with him, with with the different pitches that he has. Yeah, for sure. All right, I think we we've touched on everything we wanted to. It's I'm actually very excited f- for the weekend series. So it's Sunday night baseball, I, I think Sunday night baseball. Don't love which that. is West Coast, so it's play, a good thing for us. Yeah, they play ten, seven, and seven. Almost seven o'clock East Coast time. I know, and but I'm saying it's a it's a West Coast game, so well, Sunday night baseball is 10, actually a win. Well, they're never going to play ten p.m. Uh, West Coast or East Coast time on a Sunday. It would have been four p.m. East Coast time on a Sunday. Okay. This is all to say, I think Monday's an off day, so we're going to be recording on Monday is when that's going to happen next. FYI, everybody out there. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I'm not recording. Sunday, after Sunday Night Baseball, I feel like we we've, used to. we've left that in the past. We used to. That's, an adjustment. Of that's an adjustment that this podcast has made. And it's purely <laughs> based Cole. on children. <laughs> Garrett Cole needs to make an adjustment now. <laughs> yeah. Now it's on you, Garrett. Oh yeah, the only throw the, only the damn ball pods. over the plate. The only late night uh, late night pods are for playoff games. Yeah, that's purely for playoff baseball. All right, uh, stay tuned for the the series preview for the Dodgers with Dodger Heads podcast, and we will be back at you again on Monday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are joined by Jeff Spiegel, and I, I am also on Jeff Spiegel's podcast. So it's a little bit of a weird setup, Jeff Spiegel, of the Dodger Blue Dodger Heads podcast. It was you confuse me, not going to lie, right before we started recording. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show and the Dodger Heads podcast to preview the Dodgers and the Yankees series, a big one. Jeff, yeah. how you doing? It's good. It's good to be here. This is fun uh, getting to chat with somebody who's who's living and swimming in different waters than me. And like you said, I mean, Dodgers and Yankees getting together in Dodger Stadium. It, it feels big, even if it's, you know, a June series in the regular season. But I, I'm excited to break this one down. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> 34, almost 35. We are. When's your birthday? End of November. So I was born about a month after Kirk Gibson hit the okay. famous home run. We're basically the same age. I'm turning 35 in, in 18 days. There you uh, go. So we do not know the Yankees-Dodgers rivalry. It's true. Because people older than us obviously do. So it's like, I have absolutely no disdain for the Dodgers. In fact... Yeah. I, I think that they've what they've done over the past decade plus be, just be such a consistent franchise has been something to strive for, even though, uh, you know, maybe the number of championships haven't been there. But I look at what the Yankees have been trying to do. And we some people in Yankee in the Yankees world joke, they're trying to be the Dodgers and they're just not doing it as well. But uh, how do you view the Yankees from your standpoint? Yeah, it is funny. It's it's helpful context. I think the generational piece, because it's funny to hear you say that the Yankees are trying to be the Dodgers because I think there's a lot of people who would say that the Dodgers are trying to be the Yankees of, you know, 15 to 20 years ago. And so maybe we're just taking turns of, of being the super successful, high spending team in Major League Baseball. But I I'm with you. Like when the Yankees come to town, I don't view it as a rivalry per se. Um, I just view it as super exciting because one of the most famous franchises that we almost never get to see in Dodger Stadium, obviously, we'll start to see them more. But th th that's exciting to me. Um, but to your point, Andrew, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago because one of the, the big talking points in L.A. is are the Padres a rival of the Dodgers? And I think it's a generational thing. I think there are people, everybody agrees that we hate the Giants the most. I'll put that out there. Like the Giants, we disdain. Clearly, you would say you disdain the Red Sox. Like that is a very easy answer for both of us. But I think depending on your age will tell you how you fill out the number two spot in the teams that I hate the most. Because like you said, I've talked to some older people who would definitely say they hate the Yankees the most besides the Giants. Well, our number two spot might be the same. Okay. Is it the Houston Astros? <laughs> yeah, yeah and that's where it's like, totally. I mean, we I despise the Astros. It's almost in a different category um, because it, it has very little to do with like anything other than that one moment. We both hate the Astros for sure. Then for the Dodgers, it's is it the Padres? Is it some people hate the Cardinals because we had a bunch of years in a row where we met them in the postseason and it didn't go well. Um, so I, I think those are kind of the, the five in the top five. But I do agree with you. I think I think the Astros are very clearly in my book, the team that I hate second most. And then the Padres, those those would be somewhere in two and three in some order. Yeah. 
Yeah, kind of uh, just from the outsider looking in on the NL West, because right now the Diamondbacks are right, yeah. are right on your tail, which I don't think anybody expected. Um, obviously, the Padres with all that name talent, like they were just at Yankee Stadium and we were actually at the game. We had an event there on Saturday, you know, seeing Tatis and Soto. It was like, it's a really fun team from the outsiders, yeah. uh, outsiders perspective to watch. Um, but I could see you almost looking at them like maybe the Yankees have looked at a team like the Blue Jays who have been adding talent and adding talent and getting better and constantly chirping the Yankees. I mean, man, do the Blue Jays want there to be a rivalry with the Yankees and the Yankees just continue to beat them down. And so we're kind of just, you know, big brother, little brother situation there. Is that kind of how it is with the Padres? For sure. I think there's definitely, like many Dodger fans, if I was going to maybe cross the line into being mean a little bit, there's a little bit of an inferiority complex down in San Diego um, because the Dodgers have just owned them for so long. I mean, for basically the last 25 years, Padres-Dodgers games in San Diego were mostly populated by Dodgers fans who went down there. But I would say that that things have shifted because the Padres have been very good. And, and sort of last season, they knocked us out of the po- playoffs. Right. So yep. it's harder to to kind of just totally dismiss it um, because the Padres are one of the five best teams in baseball when you look at talent on the field. And they did knock us out of the postseason. So I do think there's a level of seriousness that that does come. There have been some bad blood, some you know, bench clearing stuff, some chirping back and forth. So I, I think it makes it fun. It makes those games way more exciting, even if we're early in the regular season when those two teams meet. So before we start previewing the series, why don't you just give uh, a little bit of a quick summary of how the Dodgers season has gone, keys to their season so far, and I can do the same for your audience on the Yankees side. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I, the Dodgers, I, I think it's been a fascinating beginning to the season because if you just look at where they are, they're on pace for like 97 wins or something like that, which... I think most Dodger fans, if you told them at the beginning of the year this team was going to win 97, which is 14 less than they won last year because they had a historic run, that people would probably be thrilled. I mean, I think that most people I was talking to were living in the 94, 95 win range for their predictions. And so big picture, you zoom out, you look at the offense, you look at the wins, you say, things are going really, really well. I think day to day, it's been different. There's way more holes on this roster than Dodgers fans are used to. Um, we're trying to figure out who the five starting pitchers are going to be. The bullpen, which is historically one of the best in baseball, has not been one of the best in baseball. They don't know who their best shortstop is. They can't figure out who their best three outfielders are. And so I, I would just say it's it's a confusing year for Dodgers fans that at the end of the day has still been successful um, from the outside and from a big picture perspective. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the Yankees and... <clears throat> As a Yankees, if, if you're a Yankees fan listening to this, you're going to say you could have said that about any of the past six seasons. It's injuries. Yeah. I want to read you the bottom of the Yankees lineup four through nine from two wow. days ago in Seattle. Willie Calhoun, DJ LeMahieu, who's obviously uh, a, a, a name, a household name. Isaiah Kainer-Falefa, Jake Bowers, Anthony Volpe, Jose Trevino, and Greg Allen. That was the Yankees four through nine. And yeah. They scored 10 runs in that game. They've been beating up on some, you know, lesser than talent they've struggled with teams ahead of them baltimore and um and tampa bay they've struggled with those teams this year and they got off to a little bit of a rough start as tampa and baltimore and especially tampa just got off to a scorching hot start the yankees were in last place at one point like deep into april if it might have even been may until they finally got out of last place and then they've gone on a little bit of a run but yeah 
we're going to see for this series, seems like Stanton's going to be activated. Josh Donaldson's yeah. going to be activated. Tommy Canley, who was on the Dodgers roster last year, is going to be activated. Canley hasn't even been there so far this year. So it's like they've just been missing so much of their lineup. And it's really, you know, at times they had a brief stint where, um, where uh, Harrison Bader came back from the IL and carried them for like 10 days. And the judge got really hot and was carrying them. So it, it's been one of those seasons that on a nightly basis, you, you kind of look, you know, look through your fingers at the lineup, but yep. somehow, some way they've been able to scratch out wins. Yeah. And I think it's actually similar to the Dodgers um, from an injuries perspective. I mean, we just put up a video recently about Noah Syndergaard and how terrible he has been for the Dodgers. And I think the reaction we mostly get is, well, get rid of him. And the point I was making is Bobby Miller, who Yankees fans will see this this weekend, who is the Dodgers' top pitching prospect. You could make a pretty compelling case. He began the year as the team's number nine starter, like their ninth best option. And that's just based on like the guys who they've tried to use ahead of him. He's now the number three starter as we sit here today because Julio Rios is on the IL. Dustin May is on the IL. Their number six starter, Ryan Pepio, is on the IL. Um, so all, all those guys. And then the same thing with the lineup. I mean, Miguel Rojas was brought in to back up Gavin Lux. Well, then Gavin Lux is out for the season. So they're, they're starting shortstops. Miguel Rojas, who's one of the worst offensive players in baseball a year ago, hasn't been a whole lot better this year. On days when Will Smith sits, Austin Barnes is catching. He's I believe the worst offensive player in Major League Baseball so far this year, and he's playing one to two times a week. And then you look at the outfield. Trace Thompson was like in an 0 for 35 slump. Uh, James Outman, who had a hot start as a rookie center fielder, has been really bad for the month of May. David Peralta has like a 60 weighted runs created plus. So these are all guys who are playing really meaningful innings for the Dodgers uh, between the rotation and the lineup. And so it's easy to look and say, Hey, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Will Smith, Max Muncy, J.D. Martinez has been really good, who we'll talk about. But as soon as you sort of come over that cliff and begin looking at six through nine, and as soon as you start looking at starters number four and five, uh, I like the analogy of looking through your fingers at the lineup card or the rotation. It's, that's, that's appropriate for the Dodgers as well. In, in the list of injuries I was talking about, I didn't even mention Carlos Rodon, who they spent $160 yeah. million dollars on, and he hasn't even, he's still throwing bullpen sessions Jeez. for the Yankees. So they, they had Luis Severino come back a couple of weeks ago. He was injured. Yeah. Nestor Cortez, who was an all star last year, has not been the same pitcher this year. Garrett Cole, who's going to go on Saturday for the Yankees, was absolutely unhittable through seven starts. And then the last five starts, he's, kind of been bad like it's not even been mediocre he's giving up yeah. a lot of home runs uh could just be you know a little pitcher slump for him so you know one thing looking for this weekend big time start at dodger stadium like can he turn it around because he got the win last time against san diego <clears throat> but he gave up five runs and he gave yeah. up two home runs and judge also robbed of a third home run in that game <laughs> so it's like dude you didn't pitch well right well it's interesting looking at cole because I was putting some notes together for this one. I mean, Garrett Cole and Clayton Kershaw are basically the same pitcher in 2023. Kershaw, pitcher of the month in Major League Baseball for the month of April. In the month of May, 5.55 ERA, 42 base runners allowed in his last 24 and a third, has allowed four earned runs in both of his last two starts. Then I went into Cole and I was like, oh, the numbers look good. And then I dug in. 5.18 ERA in May, 50 base runners allowed in 33 innings, has allowed five earned runs in three of his last five starts. So yeah. both of these guys were incredible in April, and they basically have identical numbers and over five ERA in the month of May. So it, it, it would have been fun if they were pitching against each other, Kershaw Friday, Cole Saturday. But 
Um, I'll be curious to see if one of the keys seems to be like, can either one of those guys break out of the little slump that they're in? Yeah, what is uh, what do you think is going on with Kershaw right now? What's 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 going on with his slump? So off the field, it, it has to be pointed out. He has not acknowledged this as a reason, but his mother passed away recently, and he never he did go on the bereavement list, but he didn't miss a start, and so. That obviously was weighing heavily. I mean, as just human beings, I can't imagine how that that wasn't a factor in there. And so, with that said, it's it's not a guarantee that that you know his his mind is just going to snap to and he's going to be okay here in the next couple of weeks either. So I think that's part of it. I mean, Kershaw, while he has struggled to stay healthy over the last few seasons, the one thing you could say is whenever he was on the mound, he was insane. I mean, the ERA has been great every single year, and so. That hasn't typically been a question. He starts this season, like I said, he was the best pitcher in baseball, um, according to the awards folks, in the month of April. And so I, I'm, I don't think I'm worried about Kershaw necessarily, but I also wouldn't say I'm, I'm placing my money on him to snap out of it this start on Friday against the Yankees either. Yeah, we've, we've seen stretches from Garrett Cole, both the dominant Cole and then also the bad Cole. Like last year, he gave up 33 home runs on the season that led that led the American League, definitely. I don't know if it led all of Major League Baseball. But he's just gone through these stretches where he'll strike out nine guys, but he'll also leave four fastballs in the middle of the plate. And they'll, yeah. they'll, it's always going to be an extra base hit, and a lot of times it's going to be a home run. And he kind of gets this look on his face. I mentioned this on a recent episode. When he was pulled out of that game on Sunday, he kind of had like this blank stare on his face. Like he couldn't believe what was happening. Jeez. Like he didn't know why he was getting hit. And he's such an analytical guy. He he takes it so seriously. He'll, there's constant shots of him in the dugout just studying, you know, film, studying, you know, notebooks or whatever. And also reviewing that with some of the other Yankees pitchers. So it's not for lack of like yeah. working hard or anything like that. It's just sometimes I think he may overthink things or get in his own head. And then uh, if if you want me to be cynical, it's because he's not using sticky stuff anymore. Mm. Yeah. Well, and and from the outside, uh, this is a question I wanted to ask you. Sticky stuff has been a uh, a talking oh, yeah. point around the Yankees. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you've got a guy coming back from a suspension because of sticky stuff. His first start back from suspension, Herman got lit up seven hits four earned runs three walks is it with him i mean is it the same conversation like is there genuine concern that that he gets busted for sticky stuff and then comes back and struggles or is that a blip in the radar and you know reading well, he, too much into one bad start he's a number five pitcher he's a number four pitcher on his best day anyway so um and i watch it you know watching his performance i don't think in his return to the mound i don't think he got lit up i think i think you know that's kind of the pitcher he is that line is the pitcher he is people point to his spin rate not really changing at all this season so they're saying oh well, maybe it was just rosin and you know maybe that's the case or maybe he was using whatever was too, deemed too sticky by major league baseball umpires that he was he, he's been using that all season. Yeah. It it doesn't look good for him that the first time he uh, he got investigated, he took a perfect game into the sixth inning. Okay, so that didn't look good right there. And then the game that he eventually got ejected from, I think he was only allowed like one base runner through five innings or through four innings mm -hmm. or whatever it was. So you're like those two games specifically, he looked extra dominant, but. Having watched Domingo Herman for a number of seasons, like he's been with the Yankees for a while, he'll have games where he looks amazing, and then he'll have games where he looks terrible, and that's just because mm -hmm. he's kind of an average pitcher, and it yeah. all nets out to about a four four point two ERA in the end. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, and, and th that's what 
it'll be interesting because on the Dodgers side, as I head into the series and pitching as we're talking about it, it's hilarious that you get Kershaw on Friday, a name that everyone in the league is going to be very familiar with. And then the other two pitchers that that people are going to find if they're yeah. just finding out about the Dodgers are going to be some Google searches going on. Yeah. Saturday, it's Michael Grove, who it's his first start back since he was on the injured list. He was really good on his rehab assignment, 10 innings pitched, just two earned runs, 14 strikeouts. His velocity ticked up a little bit over what we've seen historically, which is nice. Um, but this isn't like a top 100 rookie. Like he's not a huge prospect. He's kind of a guy that best case scenario is probably like a number four and a half, five starter. Um, the, the Major League Baseball, I will say his ERA this year looks terrible, 8.44. Um, there was one that game earlier. It, it is, and it is terrible. And I, I don't just mean it looks terrible. It is terrible. It is worth pointing out that one of, I think he's made four starts and he was just left out there to die because yeah. he was a rookie and because they needed. So he's got 3.1 innings, 12 hits, nine earned. That's one of the starts on his record. That's the other three inflate. have all been pretty, I would say, like, like you said, it's number five starter stuff. Yeah. If he gets out of there with an ERA of four to five, the Dodgers are going to be happy. On Sunday, though, you'll see Bobby Miller, who's the Dodgers' top pitching prospect. The expectation was not that he would be ready and up at the major league level this early in the season. As I said, he was the number nine guy on the depth chart, probably, and they're, just, they're, they're down to number nine at this point. But he has been actually very good. Um Top pitching prospect in the league, top 25 guy on basically every national list, throws 100 miles an hour, will be throwing 100 miles an hour into the fifth inning. Um, just one earned run in each of his two starts so year. I, I wouldn't say he has been that good. I think the numbers, he's gotten a little bit fortunate with some batted ball luck and some double plays. But it, two, So I would just say that the, the headline here is two separate pitchers that you're going to see. Grove, a guy who has a little bit more major league experience than Miller, but the ceiling is much lower. Versus Miller, who has been really good, but has only made two starts. And the stuff is going to wow you. I'm just warning you. You're going to see yeah. the guy throwing 101, and you're going to be like, holy smokes, who is this guy? Yeah. No, that, that that's all that's all good context for, for, for your listeners and for the Yankees pitchers. I think they're going to recognize all the names. Domingo Herman for the wrong reasons, because he's been <laughs> suspended. We already talked about Garrett Cole, but Luis Severino, this will be yeah. his third start back from the IL. He's been on the IL every single year for the Yankees since 2019. When he's on the field and pitching, he's been really good. He's been good as a reliever. He's been good as a starting pitcher. It's just he gets hurt every single year. And it's unfortunate because I would he hasn't had a full season of, of being healthy since 2018 when he was, I think, top three in Cy Young finishes. And like that is the caliber pitcher Luis Severino can be. It's just he hasn't been healthy. He's been good in his first two starts back. I expect him to be good again. And then he might wind up on the IL again in September because that's yeah. just this Luis Severino experience. So would you say heading into a series like this, Severino, Cole, and Herman, like do you feel good about the 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 state, the way that the rotation lines up? Again, we're not trying to overemphasize how important this three-game set is, but if we're just talking about how the Yankees are going to fare in Los Angeles, like do, yeah, do you feel because, pretty good about that. Considering Clark Schmidt, who did pitch well against Seattle uh, yesterday, Clark Schmidt's been terrible this year. Okay. Um, he's been pitching a little bit better of late, but I would—I'd never feel good when Clark Schmidt takes the mound. Nestor Cortez was actually the Yankees' best pitcher last year, mm -hmm. um, better than Garrett Cole, and he was the one I felt the most confident in whenever he took the ball. This year, when he faces the lineup for the third time through or he nears 85, 95 pitches, he just falls apart. Opponents have a, over a 1,000 OPS against him <laughs> after, after that point in the game. And it kind of, you saw that again in his last time out. So the fact that you are not seeing both of those pitchers 
I guess is a good thing. If I had to pick, I would say I'd rather have Nestor Cortez pitching than Domingo Herman because I think Domingo Herman could give up four runs in three innings. And like yeah. that's a very real possibility. But Severino and Cole, even if Cole hasn't been pitching well, yeah, those those are the Yankees two best pitchers because their $160 million man is still throwing long toss in the outfield. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. The reason I ask is because I asked myself that question as I was prepping for this. And it is funny. I, I would say the Dodgers have two pitchers right now that that you would feel pretty good about. Kershaw, who I just said has been pretty bad in the month of May, and then Tony Gonsolin, who you know, despite th- there's skeptics based on stat cast and underlying metrics. And yet it's a guy who just continues to put up ERAs well below three. Um, those are the two guys that I think you would have some degree of confidence in. Bobby Miller, top prospect has been good, but has also only made two starts. So it- it's trust with a caveat. And so I guess if you're a Dodger fan coming into this, you say, hey, I, you know, we've, we get to see three, two of the three guys that we probably feel the best about right now, um, which is a positive thing. And then I think Michael Grove, better than Syndergaard. Like, I feel better than about him pitching yeah. in this series than Noah Syndergaard. So I, I would say the Dodgers feel f- okay about the pitching. But I do want to talk about offense, too. You mentioned the Yankees kind of getting healthy at the yeah. right moment. Should should You mentioned that the lineup has looked weak from five to nine, but if you add Donaldson, if you add Stanton, and even Rizzo, who is out for the Seattle series, yeah, that's right. adding Rizzo, those three Rizzo's guys back in, like, it, it feels like maybe the offense is coming together at a good time, and maybe that's the thing that the Dodgers should be most worried about. Yeah, I mean, the names are certainly going to look better. You add Stanton and Donaldson is there. That looks better than Willie Calhoun and whoever is playing third base that night. But, like, those guys haven't played in a while, so they're probably going to not look that great at the yeah. plate. So even though the names are better, you're you're getting them literally as they come off the sure. IL and having just faced double-A talent. So, um, you know, as Stanton seems to... I think he always hits well at Dodger Stadium. I know he hit a home run last time when the Yankees were out there and he hit, hit one in the All-Star game. And he's one of those guys that seems to to relish the big moment. But but Judge has been the key. Judge has been the best player in baseball the last season and a half. He's been every good bit as good this year as he was last year when he set the American League home run yeah. record. Like He's just an absolute animal. His at-bats, every at-bat is quality. Uh, he never has give up at-bats. Even if he gets beat, it's a, it's you know it's on a 3-2 pitch or something like that. So it's, it's always a deep count. Glaber Torres has been really solid for the Yankees this year. And yeah, Rizzo not being there to to hit behind Judge has hurt. Um, he had that weird play with Tatis. Uh, <clears throat> thought it was his shoulder, thought it was his arm, ended up being a stiff neck. He was in concussion protocol. Boone said he would have been available for emergencies in the Seattle's uh, mm. uh, last game. And he expects him to play Friday and play the whole series. So we'll see. Um, see if that's the case. But... But yeah, as far as the Yankees lineup, it's getting healthier, which is good. But you know, one thing I do want to mention to close the loop on the pitching, the Yankees bullpen has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, it, the big three in the bullpen are Clay Holmes, uh, Wandy Peralta, and Michael King. Those have been getting, all three of those guys have been getting the high leverage outs. And Holmes came into the year as the closer, but he kind of lost that job. But now they're kind of just doing closer by committee slash high leverage spots, and it's been working. But even the the next two three guys in the bullpen, Albert Abreu, Jimmy Cordero, Ron Marinaccio, they all they have confidence in all of those guys. So I know the Dodger bullpen you you had mentioned to me has been up and down this year. The Yankees bullpen has not. It's been very very good. So you know when the Yankees get into games close and late, they've won a lot of those games because of the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, and that that's got to be a great feeling. I'll give more context to the Dodgers bullpen. I would say they've got a few guys that are absolutely elite. And once you get past like the top three, maybe four arms out there, 
it's an absolute, you know, crapshoot. Like, are we getting, I mean, they've literally got guys out there with like 8.0 ERAs. So you've got Evan Phillips, who I I think is probably one of the best kept secrets in baseball as a relief pitcher, a guy that they claimed off of waivers who was DFA'd by a couple of things. The Dodgers tweaked something last year, one of the best relief pitchers in baseball this year, yet again, has been incredible. Uh, 1.66 ERA. They've got a lefty, Caleb Ferguson, who a few years ago was great. Then he got hurt. Tommy John surgery has been working his way back. He's got a 1.35 ERA this year. And and again, you could argue has been one of those two guys has been their best reliever. And if either of those guys is on the mound against righty, lefty, anything, I would tell you that Dodger fans are feeling pretty confident in that scenario. Then they've got a couple guys, Bruce Dark Ratterall, who looks incredible, throws 101. It moves like crazy. Can't strike anybody out. So the ERA has been good this year, 1.90. Um, but you know, some of the metric stuff would tell you that's maybe not the, the high leverage guy you want to trust. And so beyond that, they've just got Victor Gonzalez, who wasn't really in the mix, has been good this year. Yancy Almonte, who was great last year, but I think he's got an ERA of 7.04 this year. Alex Vesia, one of their best relievers last year, has had an ERA, has an ERA that, you know, isn't even on the top 25 list that I'm looking at because it's so bad. So if if the Dodgers can get to like the seventh inning with a lead, I would I think Dodger fans would tell Yankee people they they feel okay. Like if we can get six outs from Ferguson and Phillips, we feel all right about that. I think if the starters coming out in the fifth inning and they've got to build the bridge until you get to the eighth inning, I would say expect some roller coasters. And if you're live betting, um, the over might be a good choice for a couple innings. Well, so it sounds like we both feel confident entering the seventh and eighth inning in a close game. So watch it be two two tonight. Uh, going or on Friday night going in and then, you know, seven more runs are scored because of yeah, course, exactly. of course we're going to be wrong. Yeah, no, I said that they have, they have a guy Almonte who, who was incredible last year and he had a stretch a couple weeks ago where he had had like six consecutive appearances. He hadn't allowed a hit and I come on and I'm like, you know what? I think this guy's found it. I think he's back and it could, I mean, my Twitter mentions for the next three days were all over the place because his next two appearances were like five earned runs in 1.1 innings. And it was just like, oh, he's back, huh? You know, and so now he's back to be good and I'm not saying anything. I have no opinions about whether or not Yancy Almonte is back. Well, your first mistake was, you know, listening to Twitter. Fair, fair. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, this is this is great. Anything else you, you'd like to touch on for the series or want to know about the Yanks? I would I would just say on the Dodgers piece, one thing that that is worth noting is the Dodgers lineup one I'll be I'm curious. Maybe I'll ask it this way. Like the Dodgers lineup right now, if you look at the one through five, they've got Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith the catcher, JD Martinez DH, and Max Muncie, who plays third base. Um from my, I mean, I'm, I'm insulated, obviously. I follow the Dodgers the most closely. I, I would contend that that one through five is, I'm not saying it's the best. I would say it's one of the best. And yeah. I, I would suggest that is currently performing as one of the best. But I, I'm curious from you, like Will Smith, for example, catcher. We know about Mookie Betts. Everybody knows how good Mookie is. Everybody knows how insane Freddie Freeman is. I think even J.D. Martinez, especially to a Yankees fan, like they're familiar with... When JD Martinez is clicking, JD, which he's clicking JD right Martinez now. well familiar with JD Martinez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the fact that he's having a little bit of a you know a late career resurgence with the Dodgers is totally. So I, I'm I guess I, I'm curious from a Yankees 
fan perspective, like, what do you think about when you hear about like Will Smith, for example? He's not on my radar, frankly. Okay. I mean, I love Independence Day, but Will Smith is not on my not on my radar. Uh, then the other names that you talked about, like Freddie Freeman's numbers are eye popping. Yeah. Mookie Betts obviously is is a superstar in the game, but yeah, you know, uh, Will Smith is not on my radar the same way Glaber Torres is probably not on your radar. But Glaber yeah. Torres has been having a really solid offensive year. You're yeah. going to be worrying about Rizzo and Judge in the middle of that lineup and Stan, assuming you know he's in there as well, uh, which you should be because yeah. as a as a Dodgers fan in the National League, you know, across the country, that, that those are the names you're gonna you're gonna focus on. Yeah. No, and it's interesting. And, and I, I, I kind of guessed that that would be the answer. And the catcher position, I think, is one that's not really paid attention to. Will Smith is not a personality. I mean, not that Major League Baseball really cares all that much as an organization about, about personalities. But it just it's fascinating to me because he has been arguably the best offensive catcher in baseball for the last three years. He's got an OPS of like 960. He, he yeah, does everything really, really well. You know, so it's just... Th- those are the things that I always like engaging with other other fan base and saying, "Hey, what you know, you know, what do you think about when you think Will Smith?" And they're like, oh, "I don't think about anything." <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And that's that's. I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, unless you're just like this obsessed fantasy baseball player, yeah. which you know there are plenty of people are. They're going to know the best. You know, the top ten players on every single roster. It's just like I yeah. follow the Yankees on a daily basis more so than I follow Major League Baseball. I'm obviously interested in what's going on around Major League Baseball. But Will Smith is not making the headlines for the Dodgers, like I said, yeah. the same way Glaber Torres or Michael King out of the Yankees bullpen isn't making the headlines. Even though, if you see Michael bullpen come, uh, Michael King come out of the bullpen for the Yankees, like he's very, very good and he's got nasty stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and that's totally fair. That was going to be one of the questions, and maybe Torres is the answer. But besides, kind of the household names, are are there a couple people that you would sort of? Tap tap a Dodgers fan on the shoulder. Say, hey, just you know, keep an eye out for 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 this guy. He's having a surprising season. <clears throat> keep an eye out. Sounds like offensively. King. Offensively, it's probably Glaber, but really the keys have been the middle innings of the bullpen. They've been able to bridge the gap to the late innings with quality outs from Ron Marinaccio, Albert Abreu, Jimmy Cordero to get them to King Peralta and Clay Holmes. Got and it. so it's like you talked about the Dodgers bullpen in the middle innings. Some if you're going to the bullpen and with an out in the sixth inning, you're you're saying, oh crap. The Yankees feel confident doing that. And and they've been able to to win games by doing that. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it's like you said, we'll, we'll see. I'm curious to see how it plays out and it's helpful. And we'll probably have a three game set where Will Smith goes over 10 with uh-huh. six strikeouts and people are going to be like, Hey, look at this Dodgers Homer talking about a guy who's not very good. And, and, and Jimmy Cordero will give up seven all. earned runs. This, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to be great. Exactly. I can't wait. But you know I what? I won't be on Twitter to hear about it. Fair enough. There you go. <laughs> Smart man. Smart man. All right. Well, Jeff, uh, thank you so much for having me on your show and also coming on my show. This will be on, uh, this is on both of our episodes on on audio and on YouTube as well. So go check out Jeff and uh, yeah, make sure to tell him how he did uh, Monday morning on Twitter. Yeah, there you go. And hey, you, we could cross cross uh, promote here a little bit. Give Andrew and his show a follow on social media. If you're a podcast person, I'm guessing you guys are found Apple, Spotify, Google, yep. all those places. All the good stuff. So Bronx Pinstripes, give them a, a, a follow, a rate, a review. That helps us. So, so please do it to them because it helps them as well. And you can find us on all the same places. Search for the Dodger Heads podcast, dodgerblue.com, et cetera, et cetera. All right, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, take it easy. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. 
If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.